Welcome to The Lending Lowdown. I'm Maria DeCaos, Head of Global Loans Contributions at Refinitiv. We're excited to bring you our 10th podcast in the series. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, Today, we're talking about what is on everyone's mind this week, namely the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in what has been an unprecedented march. I'm joined today by Peter York, um, adjunct professor at Fisher College of Business at Ohio State University and a recently retired managing director and head of large market asset-based loan originations at a major money center bank. His curriculum this semester is particularly timely given that he is teaching a course on corporate restructurings and bankruptcy. So Peter, welcome. Thank you very much, Maria. I'm excited to be here and, uh, and talking with you. And, uh, and indeed, these are very interesting times. Yeah, yeah. After a 30 plus year, um, uh, 30 plus years in banking, um, now you're in a completely different position, different role, and, and it kind of gives you a different vantage point. Let's start with that, kind of given what's happening. Yeah, it's 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 certainly very interesting. I had a, had a great career uh, in structuring debt and uh, and uh, and working for liquidity solutions for clients, uh, you know, domestically and internationally. Uh, and uh, and and now it's just time for me to do some other things in my career. And I had a great relationship with my alma mater, Ohio State, um, and had lectured there for years, and uh, was able to to come on to the faculty on a part time basis. And as you mentioned, I am teaching corporate restructuring and bankruptcy. Literally had my first class two less than two weeks ago uh, for our uh, for our second session of the semester to students, and and I emphasized you know the lessons that I've learned uh, in through bankruptcy and prior to bankruptcy for companies is that you know three main things that sort of stick out to me, and I think they're relevant for what we're seeing today in this uh, in this in this financial crisis within banking uh, a little bit is that principle is very precious. Uh, principle is uh, is important. You should uh, you should you know get uh, the right returns on your capital. Uh, and, you know, capital is important and and very precious. Maturity is also significantly important. You have to make sure you align maturities of debt uh, and maturities in your in your capital structure appropriately. And then finally, liquidity is key. And for the companies that I've seen over the the last thirty years, that get you know, maturity aligned with liquidity and understanding that they, they do well and those that don't don't do well. And I think we certainly saw with uh, with Silicon Valley Bank that they were unable to match their maturities of their investments uh, properly to their liquidity needs. Now, you could argue that they you know, they didn't necessarily anticipate the kind of liquidity demands that they that they had. Uh, but, you know, many banks did and, and obviously they didn't. So th- that was sort of right at the front end of me starting uh, lecturing to students was talking about these concepts and we're seeing them play out live for our eyes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's dig into um, Silicon Valley Bank and, and the situation with Signature Bank as well um, and, and the collapse of both in institutions. You know, it's been less than two weeks. There have been an additional six banks that have been put on watch lists for possible ratings downgrades. And all of this happened over you know, three or four days rather than sort of the protracted bank crisis that we observed in 2008 with Bear Stearns and Lehman. How does the current 
situation, in your view, differ from what the market observed in 2008? Yeah, well, um, a number of things are different for sure. I think you, you've you highlighted uh, in conversations with me that, you know, and, and certainly it's true, in 2008, um, this was an asset side problem where banks had, you know, uh, had loans and exposure that uh, you know created losses, and so the time that those losses uh, come to maturity or come to uh, you know to recognition is longer, right? It's uh, it's a you know it's it's a much different type of problem um, that manifests itself. So it does take a bit more time than this time is more of a liquidity problem, uh, and so you know the liquidity issue. Really came upon uh, upon uh, SVB uh, very very quickly. Um, I think there's also mm-hmm. a rapid uh, you know uh, amplification of information in the marketplace. Uh, yep. you know, Twitter didn't exist in 2007. Uh, you know we didn't have you know the the access to information where everybody knows what everybody knows very quickly. From you know the large uh, you know from the large media companies that report on financial data to you know to just all the the, the Twitter sphere that can uh, pass information around rapidly and so that also has a, a big uh, big uh, difference in sort of amplifying some problems but I think the the core is the difference between assets uh, before that were that were deteriorating and then trying to align those asset deteriorations with with capital and uh, you know the balance sheet strength versus this time i think it's more of a liquidity problem right 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 and and as you said um you and i talked a, a little bit about this and and just the fact that in 2008 as as you've sort of touched on the credit crisis was driven by largely the quality of the assets on the bank balance sheets whereas this time around the the crisis seems to have been originated yeah. on the liability side of Silicon Valley yeah. banks balance and, sheets and the quality of those assets had a had a uh, had a follow-on effect and maybe an unintended consequence on lots of other markets and so you know right. you might have you might have a problem in the value of assets in uh, in in uh, home mortgages that then created a problem in CLOs and CDOs because they needed to sell you know what they perceived as better assets and so that had a, a consequence on lots of other markets um, because they were scrambling to get, you know, to get liquidity and to improve, you know, their, uh, you know, their loan values. Sure, sure. But in the in the wake of the 2008 crisis, we saw increasing regulatory oversight on the bank balance sheets and like on the asset side. Do you sort of vaguely anticipate that we might see a step up on the regulatory front that focuses on bank liabilities once we kind of work through the immediate crisis? Well, it's certainly getting an awful lot of attention this week. There have been a number of sources uh, that have written about it. I know J.P. Morgan Asset Management and Jefferies and and Zero Hedge and others put out a lot of really good information around bank liabilities and what that is. So, yeah, it's getting an awful lot of attention. Uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if the regulators weren't also taking a look at that and thinking of a, you know, of a, of a way to monitor or structure something that they feel is safe and sound around that evaluation. But it's not just the regulators that are going to play a role here. I think the, the auditors 
uh, you know, in the public accounting firms are going to play a bit of a role as well. And then the rating agencies are going to evaluate that and come up with some criteria. So I think what we're going to see is, you know, we're going to see a combination of regulatory, uh, you know, the, the accounting firms and the rating agencies that are going to, you know, provide more transparency or more information around this. And I think people will be able to make a judgment and a value on the health of institutions. Going back to kind of our sweet spot, which is the broadly syndicated loan market, what what does this all mean for the um, BSL market, you know, and and, and probably also for for the tech sector in particular? In general, we're hearing about all of the losers, quote unquote. Are there any winners in this space? Like, what does this all kind of lead to? Yeah, hard to say like who the winners are now. I mean, obviously there are some fundamentals that are happening within the tech sector itself that uh, you know that it's it's experiencing, uh, and that's pretty normal that we would see in in sectors. Retail is currently uh, experiencing a lot of difficulty as well. You know, we've yeah. had trouble. We've had trouble in the past with the metal space, the chemical space, the tier one auto suppliers. Uh, you know, over the years, you know, there, there's you know each industry has its issues and they go through that. So that that generally is just happening in tech. I think what compounds that is now, um, you know, taking out a major tech lender uh, and, uh-huh. and, and a couple of potential tech lenders that, you know, would provide the financing that understand the space and can uh, and can work through that. So that's that's definitely going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, who's going to pick up from that? Uh, the major banks will probably pick up some of it, but they're regulated, okay. generally pretty conservative. Uh, you right. know, they don't really want to do early stage lending or take flyers. They'll pick the winners, and and I think all the big banks uh, and the big regulated banks are trying to. You know, and we're trying to compete with with SVB and others by trying to find the early stage winners, as they would describe them. And, you know, that's in what I think is broadly thought of as tech and disruptive commerce uh, or the, the disruptive space. And so all the lenders are trying to do that. But there's a lot of them that, that aren't banked through through the regulated banking market. And I think private credit will probably evaluate that and uh, and, and play a big role. I think you're seeing some of the private credit players looking to buy the assets of Silicon Valley Bank. So I would not be surprised to see an expansion through there. That's probably going to be more expensive for the tech companies, um, you know, the, the the models in terms of return. So, you know, there, I think there will be financing available. It'll probably be, you know, primarily uh, for the, the majority of the sector through a, a private credit funds and, uh, and will probably be on the margin more expensive. But you could argue that, you know, lending writ large has been pretty cheap with low interest rates for over a decade. And there, uh-huh. there needs to be some reevaluation of risk-based pricing against the risk-free rate of, you know, Fed funds, uh, 10-year treasury. You know, that spread needs to be reevaluated in terms of where those, where those, uh, those uh, costs are anyway, or where those pricing points are anyway. Great. Thank you. With all of this working itself out, how concerned are you or the market about possible contagion? We saw HSBC bought uh, Silicon Valley Bank's UK arm for the symbolic one pound in part to kind of allay fears about any possible risk to the technology industry in the UK. You know, do you, do you expect to see more of it or do you feel like it's going to be fairly contained? 
Well, I, you know, um, I, I think that you're going to see a lot of communication from the large banks about the quality and health of their of their uh, their balance sheets uh, and managing their their liabilities. There have been some good charts. I, I did see something from J.P. Morgan Asset Management that showed the unrealized impact of security losses on capital ratios. And you know, you you look at the top twenty banks, and you know there is some impact from that. And, and there's been a lot said about, oh gosh, maybe these unrealized losses are between the held for uh, held to maturity and uh, held for sale books around six hundred billion dollars or so. When you when you look at what the effect is on on tier one capital, some of the large banks are actually in really, really good shape. And so what does that say to me? It says to me that management from you know a lot of the regulated large banks uh, are pretty sober around their risks um, and and their view of, of uh, you know trying to avoid a terminal event. Now obviously Silicon Valley Bank could not avoid a terminal event. You know, so they they didn't have the same types of, you know, I I don't know anybody there personally, but they didn't have the same risk management practices because obviously a terminal event came and got them. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of communication from the large banks about what is the actual range of effect and how do they manage that. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's it's not going to to capture others that haven't been there. But you know, I think by and large, it it, it feels to me like some of the top banks are uh, you know are not significantly at risk of being undercapitalized. And then the the second part to that will be, you know, how are they managing liquidity? Um, if you know if there's a run on the bank, or can they manage that liquidity well? Um, I think what we're seeing over the last couple of days is, you know, a flight to the regulated banks of a lot of capital. A lot of uh-huh. are moving there, uh, and you know, knowing you know now everybody's very much aware. Well, they have to keep that in a, in a much more liquid form and can't necessarily have it in in longer term or intermediate level term um, investments because they need to manage that liquidity properly. So I think you're going to see, you know, at least from some of the large regulated banks, you know, a, a sober view on uh, and a conservative view on uh, on managing these liabilities. Uh, that doesn't mean that there won't be, you know, other banks that are going to have trouble or, or can't necessarily write themselves. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that we that I necessarily see we're gonna, that we'd see like 10 or, or more banks collapse because of the same things that happened to Silicon Valley. That, that would be surprising. Okay. Okay. And Peter, just to wrap up really quickly, what are you going to keep an eye on over the next few days? Well, I think everybody's got their eye on, on what the Fed is going to do um, next uh-huh. week. And, uh, and so that's really important. Um, you know, I come back to kind of a core uh, uh, view that, that I've, that I've thought for about a decade, which is, you know, I think with quantitative easing and and low interest for so long, we've got a little bit of a distortion in the risk-based pricing of assets across the spectrum of you know of debt assets, which is where I've played for years, and even equity assets uh, or equity investments. So hard to hard to actually get the right risk-based pricing. Uh, you know, I think you can get pricing, but are you you know are you being priced fairly for the risk that you're taking? So um, I think the Fed gets that. I think the Fed is also you know, is also very focused on uh, on inflation. Inflation is still six percent. I mean, maybe that feels like it's better than nine percent. So people are feeling positive and, and rallying in the markets a little bit. But at, at the end of the day, it's still six percent. Um, you know, I think I've seen that it, it it takes five to seven years to to get inflation back into into uh, into check. 
after it reaches past seven, eight percent. So, you know, this is a long game. I think the 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 big thing that that I'm watching is is the Fed committed to uh, getting inflation in check and reestablishing risk based pricing across the whole spectrum of assets uh, and and, you know, the consequences of that. As people say, well, you know, you keep raising until you break something. The consequences of that are we've got, you know, like the like lava under the ground. We're not sure what's going to pop up next. The lava is going to come out somewhere. You know, <laughs> this, this this time it came up uh-huh. in SVB and it sort of showed where where some weaknesses are in managing right. the liability side of a bank. But, you know, I'm not necessarily sure where we're going to see something else in the next number of months. And so what is really critical or be, will be very interesting is to see whether the, the Fed is going to continue to you know, have their hand on the lever, on the break, uh, and continue to raise interest rates uh, because of, as I said, risk-based pricing, uh, you know, uh, normalcy and, uh, and, and inflation control, or are they going to capitulate uh, and, uh, and sort of try to avoid other problems that may bubble up? Uh, you know, and so I, I'm very curious about that. And it's not just this meeting, but it's also the course of the next three to six months. Uh, and, and and much like the 2008, it's going to take, you know, it could take six months to a year before these other things happen. Brooks, but the speed I'm of information is very quick. So when it yep. happens, it'll be very, very rapid. These things will probably happen, you know, over the course of days. I think I think we should expect that. I guess, Thank you. I guess the final thing that I would say is, you know, uh, I'm not surprised that the Fed and the FDIC and the Treasury came out with the uh, the bank term funding program on Sunday. I think maybe some people were pretty surprised by that. Uh, I'm not surprised by that at all, because uh, in 2014, I think uh, Mario Draghi made some comments about we're going to do whatever it takes to shore up the ECB when you're talking about uh, bond buying. And uh, Janet Yellen uh, was very clear in June of 2017, mentioning that uh, you know the tools that were put in place for the for the the Fed uh, and the Treasury back in 2008 and 9 uh, give a lot of options to the government to be able to solve problems. And her quote was, you know, we're we're done seeing crisis, financial crisis in our lifetimes. And so you know, knowing that the Fed is and, and the federal government treasury is going to use their resources to solve problems doesn't surprise me after I reflect upon those types of comments from policymakers. Uh, and so expect more of that type of reaction. Uh, you know, people call it the bazooka. You pull out the bazooka, you know, expect more of that type of reaction to wherever something bubbles up. So I can see a world where the Fed continues to raise uh, and and try to establish uh, you know control of inflation, but then has tools available to solve problems where they bubble up. And so I, I guess sure. I'll, leave, I'll leave you with that. Thank you, thank you so much. The insight has been tremendous. We appreciate your time, and thank you everyone for listening. Check out our ongoing coverage of this story at LoanConnector.com. And follow us on Twitter at LPC Loans. Also important, follow the Lending Loaddown podcast at Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Thank you. When you contribute your fixed income deals to Refinitiv, they'll reach over half a million buy and sell side professionals around the world and be included in our industry-leading league table rankings. To ensure we're capturing your entire deal flow, Visit contribute.refinitive.com forward slash FI sign up.
or contact our team at contribute at refinitive.com. Make your deal count.